Hi, welcome to the Silver Screen Queens podcast. Every week we watch a movie and sit down here to talk about it. I'm Mel. I'm Katie. And we're your hosts. This week we watched I, Tonya, directed by Craig Gillespie and released in 2017. The plot of I, Tonya goes something like this. Competitive ice skater Tonya Harding rises amongst the ranks of the US figure skating championships, but her future in the activity is thrown into doubt when her ex-husband intervenes. And we will do a bit of a spoiler-free section, although this is such a well-known piece of history. Uh, it is, but I think that- you can still do a spoiler-free section because a lot of the way that this plays out yeah. in the movie is not um, in line with the narrative we've heard. True. Okay. Um, so we'll do a spoiler-free. Accurate. <laughs> spoiler-free. Should you see this movie section? Should people see this movie, Katie? I think if you have a higher intelli- like higher IQ than all the people in this movie, you should definitely see this movie. So that means um, everybody, <laughs> pretty much everybody. But I, I do worry about people who are easily fooled by things because this is definitely a movie that you need to bring a lot of critical thinking to. Having said that, it's so worth watching. It's really interesting, very mm. well made. Everybody's really good in it, in front of and behind the camera. The acting yeah. is great. The directing is great. It's just really, really good and really interestingly made in and it's sort of a non-traditional way but with a fairly kind of straightforward narrative that's easy to follow. So, yeah, definitely see this movie. And the soundtrack is great. Mm, yes, this is really good fun. It's, it's a really, really engaging film. Like yes. I did not even – think about looking at my watch the whole time. Yeah. Um, I And I imagine most of our listeners will probably be old enough to remember when this happened. I was, but, like, I was a child and it was sort of – it was just like the background. It's a bit like the OJ trial, which is referenced at the end of the film, is happening in the same year. I kind of remember it in the background mm. and going on, but it was interesting to actually – come back and revisit that as an adult and I thought yeah I really enjoyed this it kind of brought up all my like childhood love of figure skating too <laughs> yeah I needed to pee from before the attack and then just never left the cinema so mm, I yes likewise I did not move from yeah. my seat didn't even think about it um yes definitely see this movie um we will go into spoiler territory now so if you haven't seen it and you're planning on doing so stop the podcast now and come back when you have yeah um so I, I think there's a lot of controversy that deserves to be around this movie about whether or not it accurately portrays what happened and also the kind of lack of any kind of point of view that it gives Nancy Kerrigan. Right. She's barely even a character but in this movie. If any anyone who watches this and thinks that this is the God's honest truth, like it's ver- the movie very clearly leads you – you said before you're worried about people who are a bit gullible and, yes, I could see that, but the movie is actually pretty smart mm. in like – the way it helps the audience along there to let the audience see the contradictions in there in the in the things they show different versions of things yeah um so i i i mean yes but it but- still seems to come down on the like it still seems to land on the idea that tonya harding didn't know mm. that's that's pretty firmly where it lands right yes like even if even though it tells you that there's unreliable narrators and she says at one she's there's a scene where she's um shooting at her ex-husband and she says this never happened Mm. i never did this and you don't know whether it happened or not Mm. but it seems to land pretty firmly on nearly everybody saying tonya harding didn't know including the ex-husband says she didn't know that they were planning an attack but then the movie also seems to suggest that he didn't know so it's kind of and, – and whether or not that's true is mm. a little bit more debatable. The movie seems to and, – and the facts of the matter don't seem to suggest that Tonya Harding didn't know or at least most of the stuff that came out around that time 
suggested that she knew. And a lot of the people investigating it and things like that suggested that she knew. So it's kind of a tough one to do. Um, And the movie does kind of give you hints that maybe it's not all accurate, but I think it's worth coming to it with a grain of salt that that even the movie is trying to sell you something that's not true. Mm. Well, I think the the movie, I think, is more interested in the sort of social commentary around yeah. uh, Tonya Harding and Nancy Kerrigan, the, you know, the middle class versus working class, what good girls are supposed to be, like what figure skating and gymnastics and ballet are all about and the types of women who do those activities. And so I think I think the movie is, is – too, almost too interested in that sort of stuff to really um to to I think deal with it necessarily properly. I'd argue that it's not even that. I mean, I'd argue that it's not even one thing versus another thing. It's just presenting one thing and saying why can't she ever be good enough? Mm. Because the ideal that she's facing, we barely see. Mm. We really mostly see it from her perspective and from and the the warring narratives from just the group of people involved in this. Mm. Um, it's there's a big cast, but really the only characters that matter are ne- uh, uh, Tonya Harding, um, Jeff Gillooly, mm. the ex husband, um, the idiot friend, friend yeah. and her mother. Yeah, and they're the only people that matter. Mm. They're the only people who have a say in what happens in this movie and the movie takes it from all of their different points of view and all this sort of thing. Yeah. The, and they didn't um, – what the the media at the time did extremely well was set up, you know, Nancy, Car- uh, Nancy Kerrigan as, as like, you know, the establishment of figure skating, the world. They set up what was not Tonya Harding and what was Tonya Harding. And, yes. And she was – but we still only and see we it from her perspective. Yeah, we barely see it. No, I'm, I'm, I'm saying, yeah, yeah. I, um, that, that is actually interesting because we really do because we don't really see very much. Like every time there's a little hint of other, other skaters or whatever, we barely see enough of them for us to really be able to see how, you know, girly and in particular form of femininity that they practice. Like we, we mm. don't really see it very well at all. You're right, that doesn't set up that opposition very well. Because it kind of wants to dig into the meatier, funnier Tonya parts. It does, but I think also it doesn't want to take us out of her perspective of it. Mm. But then the movie falls away from her perspective so much in the later half of it. So, like, I did think this was a great movie. I really, really enjoyed it. I would have liked to see her be more involved throughout the story. Mm. There's even a there's a really great, brilliant lampshade fourth wall breaking moment when – Alice and Janney says, what happened to my storyline? It's not in this movie anymore, yeah, yeah. essentially. <laughs> and that's really, really funny and clever. But it, it struck me as weird later on when Tonya's not in it for a long time. Mm-hmm. Like it just shifts to all the guys for quite a while. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then we come back into her perspective and we've just lost it a bit, um, which was interesting. It was just strange to me. I know that they were trying to – it was plot necessary Mm. but i think it could have been good if they checked in with her a few more times especially when the audience and the male characters are in the loop and she's out of it for a bit yeah and we're not in her perspective we're in jeff's for quite a while and that's also the movie trying to do a bit of plausible deniability there yes like it's really is setting up the tonya probably didn't know kind of narrative and like yes but then also we know that she had the schedule for yeah um her and there's an explanation for that that seems not entirely Well, it seems plausible. weird. Like, why would – yeah, the, the plausibility of that is weird because if Jeff's asking for that, what – like, and and Tonya knows, then, like, why? 
Like, why does he care where this woman trains or what her schedule is? Like, yeah, it's she very says weird. at one point we have a bet or something like that, and you're like, mm. why would that's a weird bet? To that's make. a very and also, she, I mean, the thing is, like, there's a fairly good chance Tonya would know where Nancy trains. Like, well, the, she clearly had to look world it up. Is is small? No, she clearly had to the recording of the thing and the writing down of it. Yeah, yeah, no, I know. I just it just so seems strange. it. Like it seems weird that yeah. Anyway, I like it, it. Certainly makes me as the in the audience. I definitely sat there going, but why would she think this is a thing that people would want? Would Jeff would want or need to know? Yeah, like that's why weird. isn't she ask? Yeah, I, I I do get that that she might have, may have been oblivious to other things, but the fact that she wants to know that, that Jeff wants to know that, and she's happily thinking that that's a normal thing for someone to know is weird. Yeah. So that I mean, yeah. But anyway, having said that, the the movie does kind of lean into the messiness and uh, the messy nature of truth and and narrative and personal stories and personal truth and all that. And it also really leans into the ugliness of the whole situation in everything, including its aesthetic, Mm, which is something that we were sort of about to talk about earlier, but I kind of pulled back on. Everybody in this movie is just the wrong side of looking good. <laughs> yes. Do you know what I mean? Yes. Like they really, even Tonya Harding, if you see the real Tonya Harding at the end, she looks like a real person, but this mm. kind of makes her look slightly too awkward and slightly too ugly and her hair is slightly too big and all this sort of stuff. You know, it just, mm. it really leans into the ugliness of the situation. And, yeah, and the costumes are slightly too extra. Yeah. And the um, the makeup as well, especially that last Lilyhammer skate where she yeah. like has really dark lipstick and puts the really dark cream blush on and stuff and it's really intense intensely extra but it does i think the way they style tonya so that she stands out from everyone is also very good because we were you were talking about how mugger robbie is considerably taller than tonya harding tonya harding's tiny little woman and uh, most figure skaters are pretty small and mugger robbie's sort of average height but mugger robbie's quite tall she's five foot six she's as tall as me oh is she yeah I really genuinely thought she was taller than that. She must only work with people shorter than her. I, Hollywood people are short. Like, I know. But Oscar I mean, Isaac is only about my height. But the I, seeing her in everything, she looks. I mean, she's also me. much skinnier than me. So, like, she probably looks taller. But so she's taller. But and sort of they they shoot her in frame in such a way that she looks bigger and brighter. And not necessarily in a good way than everybody else is kind of that um, the what they they're trying to tell the story of her standing out without having to go too much into like look at how this girl does a very nice curtsy and how she has really neat sleek costumes and whatnot um, and they try and show that visually by mm. having her so much bigger and also brighter and the hair is bigger everything is bigger and louder including the styling yeah they're playing into something but it's also that. That they want everybody to, and Sebastian Stan is kind of uglied up slightly, and, mm. and not just with the moustache, like oh God, the clothes the, and stuff. Don't fit. when they age him up, and yes, right when they age him up, looks terrible. Alison Janney's haircut is just awful. Like, it's you see the real person, and she looks a bit like her, but the haircut's just a bit worse. So mm. everything's just a little bit uglier, a little bit harsher, a little mm. bit worse to kind of give you this idea of the ugliness of the world that Tonya Harding yeah. grew up and in. Espe- and and in. the world, their homes, they live in their cars are all very muted and what she wears off the ice because she's, she, you know, you see her practising these bright coloured leotards and her costumes obviously are very bright and, and colourful but in the real world she's like these muted pink sweatshirts and the houses are sort of 
naturally lit and, and lots of beige. And there's even a scene where Jeff, trying to be romantic, has rose petals on the carpet, but it's this horrible beigey coloured <laughs> carpet and it's just gross. It is. It's, yeah, it's very much. And then well, the reason we've started talking about that is um, Bobby Cannavale's role in this movie. He is just everywhere at the moment. I love him. Um, and he's yeah. great in this. He's, he yeah, has he's some a, of the best a hard copy journalist. And yeah. he, um, yeah, he's just amazing. He pops in like half a dozen times mm. in the movie and he just steals the show. But, the re- yeah, the reason being is that he's incredibly bronzed up. And at one point I was like, have they crossed the line from bronzer into brown face here? But they they haven't. But it well, is well. They try obviously trying to make it look like a very obvious fake tan. Yeah. When Bobby Cannavale is already not pale. No. So like they had to kind of yeah. It, it looked a bit <laughs> weird. But I no, I do get what they were doing with him and the way he and the, the way he was dressed. Like I think those interviews are supposed to take place around about twenty twelve or so. So it's a few years back. But he sort of dressed like exactly how you'd imagine a nineteen nineties hard copy reporter mm. dressing. Yeah, it was interesting to see when the try and figure out when the interviews were oh, taking oh, place. Oh, the time is sometimes I had a little trouble with the time sometimes because I couldn't quite remember when Tonya Harding was born. I thought she was born around nineteen seventy, and I looked it up, and she is. But the teen bit, like when she meets Jeff, to when she goes to this championships, to when she goes to this one, to they don't always say how old she is at the various times. And she, yeah, they she's say played she's fifteen when she meets Jeff. When she meets Jeff, and she starts being played by Margot Robbie, age fifteen. Before that. You know, aged up to about twelve or so, she's played by McKenna Grace, who like is an actual child actress, and so yeah, she's starting to play her at fifteen, and then there's all this stuff sort of happens in fairly quick succession. But we know that the whole thing is like her whole career was run in one by the time before her twenty fourth birthday, mm. and so kind of yeah, it's hard at times. Lots go, lots so much happens in her life between the ages of about like sixteen and twenty three. Yeah. I mean, that happens in everyone's life between 16 and 23, but not like this. <laughs> well, it's interesting as well to figure out because, like, surely they uh, Jeff is older, right? Mm-hmm. Only probably by a year or two, but yeah, I think because Because when they first kiss at his car, she says, what are you going to do now? School's over. So he had to be He's left school and still she's, in high school. And she, yeah, this is where I got confused because she's <laughs> at that point only still about 16, but he must have finished high school at that point. And so he's he has finished to be high 18. school. We talk about it. Yes, he has mm. to be. And Sebastian Stan is a few years older than Margot Robbie, who are, and they're both, he's in fact my age. Yeah. yeah um, she's and, about 30. And she, yeah, she's like mid twenties at the moment. She's 27. Um, she? Yeah, she's really young and really smart for someone so young. She's very smart, but I, I um, thought she was about 30. No, she's she's 27 and so she's a few years older, but like I mean, I don't think that makes that much of a difference and she needed obviously to get to where she is before she could get this movie made. But yeah, I believe he's a couple of years older than her. I, I haven't actually looked it up, Jeff's age. He'd have to be. Yes, he would be. But yeah, I, I was confused by that as well because he doesn't look like he could possibly be eighteen. Um, like it's just not. No, it, it, you're like, why is this fully grown man hitting on this fifteen year old girl? So it kind of looks like the right from the start. He's thirty five. Yes, I, yeah, that's what I said. He's my age. Yeah, but Jeff, he, like he's obviously they obviously didn't want to ha- because it happened at such a young age. They probably they did they wanted the name actors to be playing them in their late teens and it's a bit awkward that that whole bit but you can't tell where you're up to because the the, thing is with margot robbie they kind of lean into the awkwardness but they have these markers to make it very clear but the the braces the hair the way she holds herself there's a really interesting thing that she does 
where she smiles like she used to have braces. Oh, my God. I noticed that. And I wonder if it's because she's wearing fake teeth. Yeah. The the way she holds her mouth. And I, I know that feeling because you and I both had braces for a yeah. lot of years. And it, I was just like, oh, man, that's it's, she's still looking like that. And she yeah. does it all. With, and I think it's because she had fake teeth. Okay. I thought it was a like a choice thing. It could have been. But um, I look at people's mouths a lot. Yeah, no, I no, I picked yeah. that one up as well. But that that smart that just after she when she sees him um, at the car, mm. she does this really str- like she doesn't have the braces anymore, and she looks like a person who's just gotten braces off because she smiles with her mouth closed, and then she kind of she like, realizes that she can yeah, smile yeah, normally, and then yeah. she it's really to me that looked like an acting choice. Yeah, that no, she'd I, just I gotten think them that off was. And she was like, yeah, I think it was that really was. But there are a couple of other times where it happened, including the Lily Hummer skate. Yeah. At the end, and I was like, I wonder if that's fake teeth. Yeah, but I think the also, also the Lily Hammerskate is her fake. It's the fake smiling. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's really like so she's actually really upset and crying a lot, mm. and then she practices smiling in the yeah. mirror and in that sort of she looks vaguely like a horror movie monster bit, mm. which is just so well done. Mm. It's so effective, you know. It's like it's it's a really interesting pull between trying to get you to empathize with her and see her as a monster. And everything about it is like all the design elements, the way she looks and the way she's, the way the lighting is and the way she's framed and everything make her look really scary. Mm. Um, and then she's like trying desperately not to cry and trying desperately to put on her like show smile when she's just almost on the verge of a breakdown and she mm. has to be, hold that almost on verge of a breakdown thing for a long time in the movie. And it was so interesting. It's such a kind of intriguing way of dealing with who Tonya Harding is and Mm. and the things that she was involved in as opposed to, you know, trying to see her as a person and empathize with her. So it was really good. Yeah. And I, this is such a great role. Like, I, I can see why Margot Robbie wanted to do this. In fact, I think it's a really good actress character match. Mm. I think because Margot Robbie's sort of known for that outspokenness and like not giving too many fucks kind of. It's not I, she's you know a bit extra, a bit kind of um, the kind of, the kind of person who always says one thing too many and makes a puts her foot in it kind of thing. I think it's a good match with that part of Tonya Harding, and I I love the the contradiction of. Like there are actually systems in the world that work against her, but she is also working against herself. Like the the refrain of "This isn't my fault" yep. that goes through is fantastic because it's all, it always comes right after you see her doing something that is very clearly her fault. And, and then, but then you you like you kind of it's it's a really fascinating mix of like a person who is already psychologically very interesting character, and then you put that under the hot house of extreme fame at a young age, and it's crazy. And the um, her interjections of can I just say one thing about Nancy mm. Kerrigan and things like that, you know, twice, yeah, <laughs> twice, and and stuff like that that are just like where she just undercuts everything that we've just learned and lands herself in hot water again. Mm. And the the I think the fact that they base these on interviews um, and it's based on a book that was based on interviews or. A journalist did the interviews and then sold the film rights. I'm not exactly sure how it worked, but the the use of that as the device in the film, I think, is really quite effective. Yeah. The way they like none of no everyone in interviews completely puts themselves into it further, and they're all real interviews. Like they really happened, and that's the real words that they said. And it just it underscores the like 
these people are idiots. Mm. But at the same time, it's not like it doesn't let anyone off the hook, really. Like because it is the film still recognizes that this happened in an environment where Tonya had to was you know she was skating with a handicap. She had to come from behind because just because she was working class or whatever. And there is that element there, but it's not the most important part of the story. Well, it's definitely one of the most interesting underdog stories that's ever been told in a movie. Mm. And that that court scene where she is told she can't skate again is so good. Oh, yeah. She's so good in that. Like that should, you know, get it's her your Oscar clip. Yeah. <laughs> but, well, that and the, and the mirror bit with the makeup, those are like mm. her big acting moments. Mm. You know? And that court courtroom scene is done so well because you mm. kind of hear all the other punishments and they on their own they'd be quite big but they're just not. They're like, we know she's not going to pay the 100000 She doesn't have $100,000. That's silly. But then the not being able to skate ever again, the lifetime ban thing, you just – because you've we've come this far with her and since she was so tiny and knowing nothing else but skating and the ice rink being the only safe place she could escape to, that really hits us and it really sets it up well. But also because she's sabotaged in any way to be able to do anything else in life. Mm, um, yeah. Her mother kind of says, oh, I gave up everything so you could skate, but she forces her to skate mm. as well. Yeah, and she's says, three no. years old. Yeah. Like, she loves skating, sure, but also, like, the way her mother is about that yes. and the way that, you know, she's kind of forced into all these choices and then has her entire way of making a living ripped out from her. Yeah, but, yeah, she she says – um, that scene where she's with Diane, who also I don't know who the actress was who played Diane, but I thought mm. she was great. Too. I did too. Um, she's not getting any attention at all, and I looked her up. It's because, very understated because I thought she was probably one of the standouts for the act, Julianne Nicholson, who I don't even I'm not even familiar with her, but she was great mm. as a skating coach. I I just think all of the sort of core cast members were great, mm. but she um, what was I going to say? Oh, the scene where she comes to the diner where. Yeah, Tonya's a waitress, and Tonya's like, "Oh, I'm a waitress, and I blah, blah blah." And on top of all that, I'm unskilled. And you're like, "Well, yeah, there's, she's never learned anything else." No, and she didn't finish um, high school because this was her life. Yeah, I mean, it's it's also one of the things about the sport. At the at, even still, I think nowadays Olympics, if you skate in the if you if you do any sport in the Olympics, you have to be an amateur at the sport. So it costs a fortune to do the sport, plus it demands so much of your time in terms of training and like costumes and travel and all that kind of stuff. And you, most people are age out of the sport at 24 anyway. Like even it was really funny. They talk about how she's only 20 years old, but I was reading something about I um, skating when this movie first came out. I was reading all the various think pieces about it. And one of them was talking about basically most skaters are done at 24 anyway. 24 is like ancient in mm -hmm. ice skating terms. So you spend they spend their whole lives training for this, and this isn't the only sport that's like this. Gymnastics is definitely similar. They spend their whole lives working and training and missing school and not going to college and not doing anything else but skating. And you have to basically give up the sport when you're the age when your peers are graduating college. It's terrible. Yeah, but I mean, there's there's other sort of you can do like coaching and I, I'm yeah, and no, contests like, that are and totally like the Christy Yamaguchi's of the world and whatnot. I'm sure went on to that kind of stuff, mm. commentating and yeah. So to be banned from skating mean would mean to her that she can't do she any can't of that judge, sort of thing or anything. Yeah. yeah, so it's really interesting to watch Sebastian Stan in this movie too. Like the the way that the way that Jeff is 
is shown to it's almost like the movie sort of wavers on the edge of sympathy for him as well mm, yeah. quite often which is well because it sets up the unreliable narrators and especially the bit about where she's supposed to have gone after him with a shotgun she's like this never happened what it sets up is because it contrasts that with the abuse that jeff is dealing out on her it brings that into question it makes the audience question what is real of jeff's abuse and it does. It's, it's strange, though, because surely there'd be some kind of evidence of that shooting that yeah. happened where he accidentally where he came at her with a gun. Where, yeah. And then, like, she gets a hit in the head and yeah. the police come, which seems very real. Um, the police yeah. t- pull him over and then don't do anything about it. Yeah. Well, I, I don't. I don't know enough about it to know, but yeah, they'd feel like there'd be some, do- and especially calling the police on them, all the all the you know restraining, restraining orders, orders and such. I feel like there must be a record of that, and I, to me, it felt like that was pretty true, be- and that made sense in terms of everything else we know about Jeff and what went on. But the way the movie presents it, there is a question there, especially at first. It does feel a bit like Sean is the fall guy. Yes, he is e- an easy person to make a fall guy because he's such an idiot. Yeah. Um, and Jeff is such an, I mean, the, the whole concept of it's just going to be letters, but we have to spend all this money on a person, on these people. You're like, there's no way you thought this was just letters. It's thousands no. of dollars. That's crazy. So, like, I know there's dumb, but there's also how dumb do you have to be? Mm. Yeah, exactly. And Sean seems to be like an easy fall guy for it. And so the movie seems to be trying to present all of the options as true when clearly none of them can be. Mm. So it's it's an interesting line to mm. walk. And I then am. that scene when um, Alice and Janie comes in with the tape recorder is like, it's heartbreaking oh. but also really interesting yeah. that Tonya kind of picks up on it so quickly that she's, you know. Oh, yeah. And she's you're not like, well, stupid. But that's the thing. She is. is. But then, then she kind of, she's smart about, or shown to be smart about some things, like going to the FBI proactively to tell them that what, right, what she but knew then, or didn't know. Like, yeah, exactly. But then how much of that was mm. her premeditating, oh, if I go to them, then I won't get in but trouble. That's and then smart, how much though, of like- the thing with her mum is her already feeling guilty. And like, mm. so she assumes everybody who talks to her is she, they have a wire. So like the movie puts it one way and you sort of think about how else it could be mm. seen. Which is why I say that you've got to bring these kind of critical thinking skills to yeah. the table when you watch this movie because it does very much portray Tonya Harding as a victim of lots of abuse. Mm. Um, and people, I mean, I've seen a lot of stuff with people being like, she wasn't the victim, she was the perpetrator. And you're like, well, you can be both. It's mm. about cycles of violence. That's what happens. There are cycles of violence. Mm. Somebody is violent to you and then you are violent to others. Um, because that's how you learn to deal with problems and right. you can see that. You see that happening. Mm, exactly. So, like, the concept that because this movie shows her as a victim of abuse means that she couldn't be a perpetrator of it is, to me, crazy. But also the fact that this movie kind of in lots of ways exonerates her while also being like, but maybe this isn't true, is walking a line that's very dangerous right and uh, and that's one of the reasons why the lack of a a point of view from nancy kerrigan is a bit troubling to me yeah and because the movie really does seem to be the point of view of the movie this is not my fault and that that line that she has over and over again but and and then how much of it is is just because we're in her point of view for a lot yeah and and that's the thing because whenever the movie uses that line it clearly is her fault Mm. and so yeah right so you really have to kind of dig at that a bit 
And, you know, are there things that she kind of knew but didn't – like that plausible deniability stuff. The yeah, scene like she heard with, something but didn't – she only knew a little bit of it and therefore – it seemed innocent to her kind of thing. Or even if it didn't seem innocent to her, she could just pretend it was. Mm. How much of it is that? Her just going, oh, I didn't know because every time they talked about this sort of thing, I would leave the room or something mm. like – or I would skate away or I would ignore yeah, it. Yeah, or I was too busy training, so I heard them saying some stuff, but I was really needed to work on my blah, you know. Yeah, and how much of it is just her turning a blind eye to a lot of it mm. is kind of a question that I think – we need to ask ourselves while watching it. Mm. Man, that soundtrack's really good, though. Yeah, it <laughs> and is. And they use Barracuda. It's so great. <laughs> anyway, I love that song, and it just works well, really well it, in this movie. I, it is great, but there is a bit where the bit of Tonya and Jeff getting together, and I heard the opening strains of um, Romeo, and Romeo and Juliet, Dire Straits. I was like, oh, my God, seriously? <laughs> yeah. It was like a bit of an on-the-nose song choice, but it also kind of makes sense in you know, I mean, Tony Harding's song choices sometimes a bit on the nose, but also that is a that's used as a counterpoint to what's going what's, on, yeah, on yeah. Screen, rather than than highlighting it. It's a counterpoint. It's yeah. the opposite of what's happening. In fact, I thought I actually when I first heard the opening bars sound a little bit like Jack and Diane. I thought it was mm. going to be that for a minute as well, and it both would have been good choices, um, and just the right choice for that moment. But it was um, certainly telling a story and there's those moments you know when you just so side with her when she's like you don't like my music and you don't like my clothes and you don't like my hair mm. you know you don't want me to be myself at all uh, yeah and the the undercurrent of she's too big as well and um again when i was we were talking about this in the car but with ice skating it's got the same problems that gymnastics have where it wants these dainty little petite women who look cute you know and dancer like but you need to be really freaking strong to throw yourself into a triple axel. And the only reason Tonya Harding could do it is because she was muscly and more athletic than the other girls. And it kind yeah, of, there's I mean, that aspect as well. if you see her next to them, she's smaller. <laughs> and like the real Tonya Harding, when you see her in a lineup with other ice skaters, she's not, she's smaller. She's shorter than Nancy Kerrigan. She's smaller than Nancy right, Kerrigan. Right, but she is not. She doesn't look more delicate next to her, like the really famous photo of them warming up in Lilyhammer. True, but I mean, it's not. She's not like. She doesn't look like Margot Robbie. Is my point. She's no, no, really no. quite small, and she's got like bigger thighs. Is about yeah. the only thing well, that's that I, what I mean. Was... She's athletic for an ice skater. I'm not saying she's big in any yeah. capacity in the real world, but the problem is to be good at the sport, you have to be muscly. But to be good at the sport and get good marks, you have to be like tiny. Yeah, and it's stupid. It is but stupid. it is, you know, the way it is. But I think the movie definitely plays that up more than the reality of yeah, the yeah. situation. Because the, the reality of the situation is that they're marking her down for for her background and not mm. fitting and, and, yeah, the clothes not being professional and things like that. Yeah, yeah. Professionally made and, and she has to sew her own and stuff. It's interesting. That's, yeah, right. She is actually quite a bit smaller than Nancy. Like Nancy Kerrigan's is what I'm saying. big thighed as well. Yeah. Because you have to be. You have to be chunky in the legs and strong to do ice skating yeah she she's yeah really super tiny yeah yeah um she doesn't look anything like margot Robbie. and they're just trying to make it like i guess it's a way they could make her differentiate her out in the in the movie i guess well it's also margot robbie wanted to make this movie and <laughs> she yeah, yeah. wanted to play her and so yeah she has to look like margot robbie who doesn't look like an ice skater no <laughs> even though i know she did learn some of it yeah. the the fact that some of it was cg was very distracting to me mm. um i was a little disappointed that by that even though I understand why it happened. Um, and I'm not going to mark the movie down for it because I know that it's just almost impossible to actually get 
footage yeah. that will work for this movie that will look good of people mm. doing that and make it still look like Margot Robbie. And, yeah, yeah. But it's because I'm – the way that I like things, I like that real stuff for yeah. performance things. Well, see, um, but yeah, and the thing and is – And dance stuff and, I, and all that I can understand – like CGI and triple axel is one thing because literally there are about – 10 women in the world who can do it and mm-hmm. one of them is Nancy Kerrigan not Nancy not Tony Harding and she's the only one who looks even vaguely like Tony Harding who could actually double it right yeah but but those spins where she would spin like I don't know what it is like a ballet spin or whatever and it would go just yep. a bit too fast and they did it with um, McKenna Grace as well yep she did as well and it just was a bit too fast like why didn't that that you could have found a skating double for and just done it. Yep. And it would have been fine. That was my – yeah, that was the one where I was like, yeah. her head is at a very unnatural angle there. <laughs> like yeah. it just doesn't – It just didn't uh, look right. No. And like, yeah, Margaret Robbie worked her butt. I'm so impressed with her learning to skate just because I like her grew up in country Australia, which means that I didn't see an ice rink until I was about eight years old. I loved ice skating. I loved watching it on TV, wanted to ice skate. I've ice skated about half a dozen times in my life. So the fact that she could learn to ice skate in, in her mid-20s is just like really, really impressive. And she she obviously did some of the skating herself. But, yeah, that, that kind of – it just took away a bit when it was there was too much CG. It was too obvious. Yeah. I found that, and because those are the big moments you're waiting for, mm. those are the like it's a it's a sports movie you always want to see the sport. Yeah. So to see the sport be CG, be like, you know, and we mm. we forgive a lot of stuff. We'll forgive stunt people who look nothing like the real people who are just like. I mean, if you watch Flashdance, yeah, yeah. and there's the bits with like a guy in a leotard and a, and the the frizzy wig doing the dancing and stuff. Yeah, we tend to forgive that stuff because at least we get to see the dancing. Mm-hmm. But in this, we don't even get to see it. Mm. You know, we don't actually get to see a person do it, and that's disappointing. No matter what the reason, yeah. I think is like, and especially. I've talked about this before, I think, a bit, but I think the current generation of young people um, are so used to CG that they are more appreciative of real mm. people yeah. really being able to do things. And, and that's so- why they made such a big fuss about Margaret learning to skate. Mm. Like, And she, she did quite a bit of stuff herself. Um, and I assume there were skating doubles in there as well. There were only a couple of bits that were obviously CG to me. And if I hadn't known that the triple axle was a CG, I wouldn't have known that. But I didn't know when I looked at it and I went, oh, that's not real. Yeah. There, there is one actually, yeah, that is not good. There's a, but there are a couple of other jumps where you see them and you're like, oh, that could, you know. It's like you can't watch it properly. It's like it's too blurry. Mm. You know, like it's you, your eyes can't focus on it properly and then an arm does something that's just yeah. a little too wobbly or something like mm. that and you just go, oh, it's not right. It's not. Yeah, I, I'd see. Yeah, and I can't separate the, the fact that I thing. knew it was coming as well. It's the same problem that I have when I watch, you know, Rogue One, and you've got mm. like CG people faces, and you're like, that's not yeah. a real person though. It's just slightly off. Yeah, which is a good thing to say about this movie. It's just slightly off. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, yeah, I yeah. mean, I I did really enjoy this, and and it's yeah, definitely falls into that kind of movies that have come out in the last year that are up for Oscars are also quirky and different and. Mm. This is not the kind of take you'd expect to have on an event like this. Mm. No. Um, and to play like, it as like a dark crime comedy, you know, a quirky crime comedy is so yeah. like out of the box. Right. And the truest thing that Tonya says in any interview is, I became a punchline because she yes. was a punchline. And this is an interesting, like, 
I mean, it can't really be seen as anything other than almost an attempt for her, by her to reclaim her story, right? Because mm. I think I think she's also like these rights are her rights, and she had to sell them to the person who did the interviews. I think. She apparently she's seen the movie and she liked it, mm. which kind of makes me think that there are things that she that didn't make it into the movie about what happened that. She or did she? Of, yeah. Well, she comes out. Of. Yeah, she's happy with how she comes out looking in that movie. Yeah. Um, and so there is that that aspect of it. She became a punchline. And what else? Like, what else do you do? But you also, I think, it's hard because she's clearly culpable here. Mm. If she, even if she is not guilty of like actual, you know, what level she knew, what specific crime she's guilty of, she's clearly culpable in this. And everyone around her is clearly stupid and clearly involved in this stuff. So. What choice do you have but to kind of lean into the – I don't want to use the word insanity, but that's the one that's coming to mind – the insanity of it all, like mm. the the absolute walking contradictions everywhere around you, but also the whole thing was just so overblown that this person is – this woman of 23 did one thing one time and is eternally the punchline of jokes about it. So well, I, The one thing hard. she did was <laughs> pretty awful. Horrible. And Nancy Kerrigan's – career was affected by it she couldn't you know do the things that she used to be able to do and she couldn't do it for as long and mm, all that mm. sort of stuff and even though it, it, it didn't break her and again like it, which is sean the 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 real you know sort of the cat really carrying the idiot ball in this movie is not wrong when he says i changed history because he did mm. he is yeah wow i mean yeah a lot of people in the cinema laughed when they, we saw the actual footage of huh. an interview with him because he is that Stupid. Stupid. He really is that, that yeah, dumb. Well, yeah. And you'd have to assume that Jeff is to even be friends with him for that mm. long, you know. Yeah. Like well, that's that. right. Je- Jeff's like Je- Jeff's attracted to that friendship because it makes him look smart. Yeah. Yeah, it's really, it's really something. Mm-hmm. But it's a really enjoyable watch. It is. Really. But good. then there's these moments of tension that are just almost awful. Mm. The watching the guy go in to attack Nancy Kerrigan and the way that's held in the single shot oh. and just sitting with him for such a long time before he does it is a moment of really hor- like really awful tension. It's, there's no humor. There's no, no kind of – it's not funny. It's, it's hard to deal with. Mm. So I think they were trying there to not downplay the nastiness of what happened. Yeah. And how much of it is Tonya Harding had her rival kneecapped – Mm. It's it's such a stupid thing to do. Mm. I mean, you've got to believe that even Tonya Harding's not that dumb mm. that she would purposefully have Nancy Kerrigan kneecapped because yeah. of course it's going well, to Well, like I like, didn't I didn't know the bit about the death threat. Like I don't know if that's true or not, but I as soon as that happened I was like fucking Jeff. What's he done now? Yeah. Like as soon as that happened and I so or her she mother. Would, I thought her mother had called in the death threat. Yeah, I just assumed that Jeff. was what I thought because uh, in the, early in the movie we see her pay off a guy, yeah, to, to boo uh, at her. Yeah, right. So I thought her mother had called in a death threat to make her work plausibly. Harder. Yes, plausibly, it could be multiple people, right? And and so she was genuinely scared enough by that not to skate. And I don't know if that really happened or not. I don't know enough about figure skating, but at that point at least she doesn't know. And then. I can see her there then like thinking, which is never Jeff's strong suit, also not her strong suit. Like I can see her at that point thinking about, you know, psychological warfare or whatever, but Mm. it does seem like so ridiculous and out of hand that it got to the stage of kneecapping. But also is there a possibility that I, I was wondering if there was a possibility that she was then sabotaged with the laces thing 
at the Olympics. Oh, right, yeah. Because they've all been sabotaging. Yeah. There's so much of that going on. But, yeah, the movie is it's um, more of an intellectual exercise than most of the other movies that we've seen recently. Yeah, definitely. Um, definitely. Very, very s- smartly made and interestingly mm. done. Mm. Um, I, I, I'm not actually familiar with this director, but he made Craig Lars Gillespie. and the Real Girl. He's an Australian which director. People love. Mm. So it was Lars and the Real Girl was a good movie, mm. in spite of having Ryan Gosling in the lead. <laughs> um, no, he's actually pretty good in that. Yeah. That wasn't fair. But yeah, um, he is a good director. Yeah, he did a really good job with this. The, the yeah. tracking shots are really, really cleverly used in this movie. The, yeah, the way the camera, the one where she leaves Jeff and the camera like pulls away as though it's on the back of her car. Well, yeah, because it goes through him a, in all rather these Rather, it pulls away as though it's from her perspective and then, like, moves to the back of her car kind of perspective. It's very clever. Yes. But the the when it's actually, uh, like, there's a montage of him going through the house. Oh, yeah, that one. Yeah. Um, and then it pulls away like it's yep. on. Yeah. So it's really interesting that we're kind of leaving him at the same time and then we get dragged back into it. And, uh. Well, that's yeah, sort of and then there is a lot of camera movement. Like there are a couple of points where I got a bit woozy. Um, you, you know, I'm sensitive to the like mm. too much moving camera, but it needed to be like that because that's you're meant. It's meant you're meant to feel what it's like to be like on the rink with her. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it's it's. I think the movie's almost got more to say about cycles of abuse and being trapped in abuse mm. and what that does to people and stuff than almost any other topic. The Abuse, like the fact that she was abused by her mother and then Jeff, and then Jeff, and didn't know, and, and the only way she knew to react to her own anger was to, like, to hit out, hit, like, to physically try and hit people. Yes, and she didn't kind of, but also she didn't. She kept getting out and would oh god, be yeah, pushed back into it by all these different circumstances. Yeah, it was really, and it, it's really interesting. And the film says this too. The only time she'd landed that triple axel in competition was when she'd left Jeff. She'd left the original coach. She'd left mum. She was like completely out on her own. I think that's interesting. Doesn't she landed at the Olympics as well? Nope. No, she did, never landed at the Olympics. She, hmm. Both times we see her at the Olympics, she actually doesn't skate that well. Well, the second, yeah, the second time, but we, she didn't. She didn't do that well in the first one. That's why she's that's working right, as a waitress. The, she came fourth. And, no, yeah. I knew in the first one she didn't, but I couldn't. She yeah. placed eighth. I remember seeing it now. Yeah. Because so, we didn't see it. So I think that, that is interesting because – and there are so many times as well, like Jeff threatens to kill himself and you're like, geez, yeah, I wish he had. <laughs> like, I mean, I know that's a horrible thing to say about a person, but right. like – Well, she says at one point say to him, I think you should kill yourself. But you sort so. of – at that point, you're like, she's being dragged – you see her being dragged back into this and – He's got a gun. He's pointing at her, and then he points it at himself. You're like, "Wow, it could have saved a lot if he killed himself at this point." None of this would have. She might n- never have won anything at the Olympics, but she would at least have been able to skate for five more years, if that's even true. Again, yeah, like, is uh, uh, there's if he pulled a gun on her, there's likely some police records. But there is also a moment when he says in the interview, "I ruined her career." Yeah, he does. So, I mean, I don't think there's any um, doubt that he was the mastermind of mm. the initial plan. Yes, I don't think so. Entirely. And maybe Sean did take it too far. The guy is clearly unhinged. Yes, and I I love that you used Jeff Galuli's name and mastermind in the same sentence, but yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, he's not a mastermind, but he <laughs> no. masterminded the No, earth. I know. I just, it was funny. It's such, and laugh. it's such a... It's such a dumb thing to oh. do is the thing. It's a, it's a horrible thing to do as well. And yeah. Nancy Kerrigan sort of talked about it and she said I was the victim. Like, to, mm. And that's the thing that this movie is missing 
it is missing that perspective of you have to keep in mind that she was the victim of this. None of the people in this movie were the victim of this. No matter how stupid it was, no matter how no matter terrible it was. No matter what circumstances they were victim to in their own lives, yeah. she was the, still the victim of this. Yes, exactly. Tonya Harding losing her career is nothing compared to being viciously Nancy attacked, lost hers attacked for nothing. Well. Like, she lost her career as yeah, well. Yeah, but she didn't do anything. She didn't keep being involved with this terrible person. She didn't, mm. you know, um, have the death threat kind mm. of plot. She didn't do anything wrong and she was just straight up the victim of this yes anyway should we wrap it up yes yes let's do that yeah what are you gonna give it four stars yeah i, I am too four stars. four stars i think the the little problems i had were outweighed by how good everything else was like all the technical yeah. stuff all the creative des- decisions and things and the, mm. the acting decisions and it w- was so like a lot of the Oscar films are not as engaging as this. They're not as they don't grab you the way this one does, and like it's not. I think really also, take you on a journey. One of the things I really like about it is, and and this is something that not all Oscar films do. Although this season, I do think it's just fantastic. Mm. Um, the last year has just been fantastic. But the thing that gets me is like there's so much dedication to an aesthetic and a story mm. direction that's on all fronts, like. The acting is really, really strong, but also leans slightly towards that direction. And then the mm. makeup and hair and costuming is all like just that little bit too. It's know, a very harsh, extra messy. film. Yeah. yeah, but it's. I feel like sometimes Oscar movies are just like leaning into. Oh, it has to be good, mm. and they forget to make it interesting. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas this movie really leaned into being interesting. That it did. All right. Thank you very much for listening to the Silver Screen Queens podcast. If you would like to find show notes or old episodes, they're on our website, silverscreenqueens.com. If you want to find us on social media, we're at screen underscore queens on Twitter, facebook.com forward slash silverscreenqueens and tumblr.silverscreenqueens.com on Tumblr. Thank you for listening. Bye. Bye.